spending time with her husband, friends, family, including her 12 grandchildren. In her spare time, she connects and celebrates with the women involved in motorsports, taking you behind the wall about their journey of life, racing, and how they juggle everything to make it all work. Welcome to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Strap in, window nets up, the pedals are down, and when the green flag drops, we go. This is Melinda Russell with Racing Girls Rock Podcast, and it's my honor today to interview Jamie Howe. Jamie and I have tried to get together over the past several months, and um, schedules just hadn't worked out, but today finally we're able to uh, record this podcast for all of you. I want Jamie to share her story about how she became uh, involved in motorsports and why she loves it and how she became a reporter. So. Jamie, I'm going to kind of just let you take the floor. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, maybe where you live, about your family or your pets, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, thank you for having me, first of all. I'm super excited about this. Um, so my name is Jamie Howe, and I live just outside of Atlanta, uh, where I also grew up and went to school. Um, I live with my husband, Brian, and we have two kids that are five and three, a little boy and a little girl. Um, and we also have two dogs. So it's a very busy life away from the racetrack um, that I get to come home to every time. And that makes it really rewarding. Yeah, I'm sure it does because you couldn't, you couldn't do it without the support of your family. So no, my parents, my my parents live not very far away um, and my little sister does as well so when I'm gone and my husband's gone um, or you know life just gets crazy both of my parents are always there to, to take them so, <laughs> to take the kids so it works out really well there's no way I'd be able to travel for work without them yeah abs absolutely I don't care what kind of job you have if your family's not supportive you might as well look for something different because we all need that behind us. So Jamie, tell us a little bit about how you got interested in motorsports and how you ended up where you are today. Well, I didn't get interested in motorsports until after I was already interested in television. So it was a little bit of a an interesting way to get there. So I grew up, like I said, in Metro Atlanta and our school systems are funded by the lottery. So my high school that I went to had a fully lottery funded broadcast studio. So I took broadcasting all four years of high school, but then a part of that was that we worked with CNN. So we had, um, I don't know if they still have it or not, but it was called the CNN Student Bureau. And they would send a producer that was assigned to our school over the course of each semester and work with us on how to tell stories and what kind of stories people are interested in and how to best visually show what it is that we're trying to relate with our words so that we can put together a video package and make it entertaining. And so that was something that I worked on all through high school. Um, and then had the, the plan of going to college for broadcast journalism with a double major in political science, given my background with CNN and, and what I thought my path was going to be. Um, but that summer after I graduated from high school, um, there was a the kids that were on the swim team, and he was the vice president of production 
section for what used to be the American Le Mans series. He knew what all of my plans were and, and what I had done already and invited me to come out to the race to see what live television looks like and what a TV compound is and what components make that up. And from that day forward, I never missed an American Le Mans series race. I went to every single one of them. Um, from, so um, through that, I also got in, an internship with Speed, what used to be Speed Channel, and would go after classes on Friday, I would drive up to Charlotte where they're based and I was engulfed with all things motorsports, not just sports cars, but I would cut the highlights from the Formula One races or the NASCAR races or um, the Xfinity races or whatever they had coming into the building. I would cut all of those highlights. So I came into it through production um, and just really fell in love with motorsports. It's, it gets in your blood, doesn't it? <laughs> it really, really does. And I mean, I've been very fortunate to be able to, to be a part of a wide variety of different forms of racing. And I tell you, once, once you're a fan of one of them, if you just open your horizons a little bit, you can be a fan of all of them. And then you're never bored <laughs> with anything to watch. That's true because especially on the weekend, there's motorcycle racing, and this last weekend, there was um, IndyCar racing, NASCAR racing, um, motorcycle racing, and something else. There was like, four, you could have watched racing pretty much all weekend, which was kind of cool. But um, yeah, you, and, and when you get started involved in racing, um, I think you, you kind of are more, um, more aware, I guess, of the different kinds of racing. You know, there's a lot of people that don't know anything about racing in general. And so they have no idea that women race power boats in Asia or all the different things that come along <laughs> with racing. And so I think once you, once you become a fan, then you become more aware. And that's the trick, isn't it? We have to get them to the track to become a fan. That's, that's the hard thing. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I've been working on is trying to get events and tracks so women have, um, feel like they're a part of or they're made special or that it's, racing is for them as well, not just for you and I who are already fans. You know, I did um, a track day in November at Road Atlanta. Um, there's a sports car driver named Christina Nielsen who was a two-time NSA champion um, in the GT Daytona class. And she, with uh, a group of business partners, have created this organization called Women in Drive. And it's, it's track days for just women. And what it does is it allows women to go out to the racetrack, drive cars. Uh, you have to supply your own car, but you could use your street car or you know, somebody might have a race-ready type car. I was lucky enough to to get loaned to Camaro from GN. Um, but you just go out and you learn to drive and they have coaches that are there to help you and they tell you about apexes and cornering speed and what your line is supposed to look like. And they walk you through the whole process, but there's no testosterone. So it's just women getting out to enjoy the day. Instead of going to the spa, you go to the racetrack. And from that experience, so many of these women who had driven past the racetrack or their husbands are involved or their boyfriends or whatever, but they never actually had a reason to be interested 
are now interested. And I think that's just so cool. And there are programs like that all over the place. Mm -hmm. There, there are. And the thing is, if you don't, you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't know about them, you don't have the opportunity to be involved in them. That's one of the things too we like to do. We try to, we try to keep women, you know, up to date on what's happening or things like that that they can take advantage of because, um, you know, people people think you know that there's that event going on, but you don't. And so you've got to get the word out. And that's one of the things that we try to do. So very, very cool. I, I would do that in a heartbeat. That would be so fun. I, I had, had I not had back surgery three years ago, I probably would be interested in doing some racing myself because I love, I just love that whole thing, but the back does not allow that. So, so Jamie, why don't you tell us a little no, bit? Make it yeah, who who do you cover? Like, what kind of motors have you covered, or, or what are you doing now? Who do you cover now? So currently, I cover NHRA drag racing, um, and I've also just since COVID nineteen hit <laughs> started covering Moto America, um, and I had never covered motorcycle racing before. So that was my quarantine project to learn about two wheel racing. Um, versus four wheel, but NHRA drag racing I've covered since 2011. Um, did a few years with ESPN and, and now with the Fox family of networks, um, which is also where Moto America airs. Um, I do the endurance sports car races for IMSA for IMSA Radio um, that airs at the circuit on IMSAradio.com and then SiriusXM picks it up also. Um, so those are the three things I do now. Uh, when I started, I did some open wheel racing with Star Mazda. Um, I did Castar, the Canadian NASCAR series. Um, I've done some World Challenge, which was now the SRO series, um, used to be World Challenge. Um, I started covering NASCAR trucks last, se last season and was meant to continue that this year, but then COVID-19 happened. So um, at track reporters are limited, but um, right now everything that I cover is is on Fox. Right, but it is a variety. <laughs> it is a variety. So, you know, my husband and I are bikers, and so we used to go to Mid Ohio every year for the Superbike races, and um, we went actually went to Indy a few years ago for the MotoGP races, and I was shocked that there was hardly anybody there, and there was no COVID going on. But, um, you know, Indy's a big place, and so, um, but we really enjoyed watching that at Indy. That was a cool place to watch those races. So um, we, we tend to watch MotoGP motorcycle racing at this house. <laughs> I, I think they're going back to Indy this year. It's, it's still on the schedule for now. Um, it'll just depend on local governments once, you know, the races get closer. Um, but I, I just did the first two rounds of Moto America with the Superbikes. And the second race at Road America was open to the fans. Mm -hmm. And it was a huge crowd. I mean, there were people that were camped there all week long. The kids were lining the fences. They had junior races that were happening, like the mini bike races that had full fields of these kids who started five years old. Um, it was really, really neat to see all of these people out at the racetrack again. And in just two weeks, Moto America will be at Road Atlanta, um, which is not far from me. So I get to go and cover that one also. And I'm excited to see how many people come out for that race. 
I, I bet there'll be a lot because um, I have a friend, Jessica Junk, that is a photographer, but she does a lot of covering at Road America because it's close to where she lives. And she was there both of those mm -hmm. weekends as well. And she said it was just night and day when the fans are there than when they're not. And you can see that even in NASCAR. They, the drivers just are so appreciative of the fans that are coming out. I, I just keep praying that we just keep mm -hmm. opening it up and let more and more and more fans come. So, um, yeah, there's nothing like seeing those kids line the fence or, or on the track. That's just, that's the future of our sport, isn't it? It is. And they do a really nice job of it over there. They have, which is really hard in a lot of forms of racing to have an actual ladder system of how to get to the big race. Um, just because of the costs that are involved and the logistics of everything. But when it comes to bikes, it was really eye-opening for me. I mean, I have a five-year-old little boy um, who has his little motor-powered Stasic bike. And in just a little bit of time, he would be big enough and skilled enough to go into one of those mini races. And then from minis, you go to juniors and then twins and then stock 1,000. And there's an actual ladder system that exists within the United States. Right. Right. And that, you know, we, we think that there is in other kinds of racing, but it's really not organized or put together nearly as well as the motorcycle piece of it. No, no, because there just aren't, you, you think like take drag racing, for example, they have a fantastic junior dragster program. Um, and kids of all ages have places all over the country where they can go and run their junior dragsters. But then what is there between junior dragsters and top fuel? There's, right. there's alcohol, um, there's, there's the comp class, uh, but just logistically, it's, it's not as in your face. Here we go. <laughs> no, it's more, you got to really, you've got to really commit to it. You've got to travel, you know, you have to travel everywhere. Yeah, and yeah. that's the expense, even not just the cars, but the traveling is a huge expense for families. For families, absolutely. I mean, it does teach you. Um, I think it teaches the kids that every time you go to the racetrack, it has to count for something. And there are certainly important lessons in that. And if the goal is to, to race in the big class and top fueler and funny car, um, they need to understand the importance of the travel and, you know, what it takes when you're on the road and all of that stuff. So certainly there are lessons, um, but it's just so expensive for families sometimes. Yeah, it, it really is. We have 131 Motorsports Park was 15 minutes from my house. And about, I want to say about three weeks ago, they had a big race there and the, it was full of campers. But racing was um, sort of allowed at the time in Michigan. Some tracks were running, some weren't. And, but these people came from all yeah. over the United States. And, and, you know, you look at their motorhomes that pull campers and the big dooleys on the trucks and you just want you know aisle after aisle of these and you just think how much money there is tied up in those cars it's not something to just play around with it's it's serious business and yeah it just was amazing to me it really yeah it you know it really is the amount of money that is spent on it but it's across the board really too i mean a lot of kids start road racing and, and go-karts um, and even carding in the United States has gotten to be so, so expensive. Um, and you, you think, you know, you, you used to ride a go-kart around your neighborhood. <laughs> and nowadays you can't, 
you can't get the, the cart track for less than like $50,000 a season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my granddaughters both started raising quarter midgets here in Kalamazoo. And the one grand granddaughter kept going. The other one didn't race for a while. This year, she's going to race a little bit if we can go back to racing. Because right now, there's no racing in Michigan. Um, so you have to go to Indiana if you want to race, which a lot of people do. It's not that far away. But um, yeah, the expense is something I, I don't know how we get a handle on it because I'd like to see more kids, more people be able to participate. But um, the cost is very prohibitive for a lot of people and the sponsorships are not there like they used to be. So you see less and less people at the track. I think that it's the cost that's keeping them away more than anything. Yeah, you used to have a lot more junior drivers um, and people who won scholarships. The scholarship programs, I think if the sponsorship money was there or there were big teams across all the motorsports that wanted to put some kids through a scholarship program, it'd be a great place to start just to get some, some kids back into the action. Because um, what you don't want to do is have the sport age out and have all of the, the drivers or the riders just become too old and there not be enough talent to, to fill in for them. Yeah, that, that's a very, very good point. And, you know, people, we need to think about that. Some of those big teams, that would be great for them to sponsor some younger kids and move them up and like a development series for that. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot to motorsports that most people don't think about that's behind the scenes. <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's kind of what I like to do. I like to tell people, go to the track some weekend, whatever kind of racing it is, and follow your favorite driver or follow a driver who's willing to let you be in, the, be in their pits with them or watch what all they have to do to get that car on the track. Because so many people go to the racetrack, they sit down, they get their beer, they get their snacks, and they watch the races and they go home and they never think about how much money, how much time is invested to get those cars there for their entertainment. And so I always encourage people at least once, go to the track when the team gets there at noon, when the races aren't till seven o'clock and, and go through the steps. And then you're, I think a much better fan, a much more appreciative fan of what they're offering for your entertainment. Cause it is an entertainment sport, exactly. It, yes, it, it, and that has to be at the forefront of what racing is. It's always an entertainment. Um, one of the things that is great about NHRA um, is that they allow every ticket is a pit pass. Right. And one of the things that impressed me when I first went to my first drag race um, was how much the drivers are actually doing in between the different rounds. I mean, the fact that the cars come in and are completely torn apart and rebuilt from the bottom of the engine up after each round um, is impressive enough, but then you watch what the drivers are doing and they don't just strap into the cars and, and make yeah. these runs. They have to pack their parachutes. A lot of them are responsible for the fuel mixture. They sign autographs and they're doing all of this work with fans just standing, you know, six feet away from the race car. So it's, it's a great show in between rounds if you can make it out to the racetrack. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that is one of the things that drag racing does better or different, however you want to look at it, than NASCAR or even, you know, truck series, whatever it might be, because it's obviously harder to get to the drivers in those, in those races.
So Jamie, what is your favorite thing about being a reporter at the racetrack? Um, I love telling the stories of the people. I mean, I think that the guys that are in the booth, they really get to tell the story of the race um, and what's happening on the track, whether it be in road racing or on a drag strip or whatever. Um, they get to call that action, but people are what people relate to. And so I like to be able to share what's going on in the head of that driver. Um, what kind of things were they thinking about before they got in the car? Um, what sort of things have changed within the team? Is there a new team dynamic? Just all of the behind the scenes stuff that you wouldn't get if you were just watching as a spectator in the stands or watching on your television at home. Yeah, I love the stories. I, I'm with you there. I owned a weekly newspaper for 10 years in a little town in Illinois, and we called it the good newspaper um, because we did human interest stories. And if you wanted to read um, the court reports and the obituaries, then you needed to buy the daily paper because I wanted to tell the stories of people and that's always been close to my heart. It's why I do the magazine that I do because I like telling those ladies stories. And, you know, I've had people say, oh, well, who have, who have you have in the magazine as if it has to be famous people. And I said, most of the time it's people you've never heard of. It's women you would have never heard of but they all have a story and they all have a passion for motorsports. And when they get their story put into even a digital magazine like mine, it just makes their day. They just, it just makes them feel important and celebrated. And I love doing that. And that, that's why we do the magazine. What, what have you got going on now this summer? So COVID hit, that really put a, put a stop to most of all of us, what we were planning. I had about a dozen events planned at NASCAR tracks for women starting back in April. The only one that's still on the schedule is Phoenix for championship weekend um, on the day of the Xfinity race. So we're hoping that's still going to come off. But um, what does your schedule look like and where will you be now or do you know the rest of the season? It's really, um, it's, it's really fluid at the moment um, just because race schedules are so up and down. Um, the series that I cover are at the beck and call, I guess, of the, they're at the mercy of the local governments. Mm -hmm. So for example, NHRA was supposed to go to Seattle next week and we know that that's not going to happen. Denver didn't happen. Um, Brainerd has been postponed and that's, those are local government decisions. That's not the NHRA saying we don't want to go anywhere. Um, so for now, my next drag race will be um, at Indy, what we're calling Indy 3. <laughs> It'll be the third race in a row um, at Indianapolis, August um, 7th, 8th, 9th, that weekend. Um, but before that, I'll do uh, Moto America at, at Road Atlanta, which is July 31st through August 2nd. Um, so I'll have those superbike races, all of those races, actually. Um, and then after that, it's really up in the air. There are um, a few drag racing NHRA is supposed to come to Atlanta in commerce at the end of August and then go straight back to Indy for the U.S. Nationals. So fingers crossed <laughs> that both of those events happen. Um, but until, until the governments, the local governments say you are 100% allowed to come in and bring fans with you, the events won't happen. So that's what, that's what has it all up in the air. 
Yeah, so I, I guess the advice is just what I tell everybody. You just have to stay tuned in to social media or um, follow you know, whatever series you want to go attend. Follow them because go to their website because it could change from today to tomorrow. Um, and you know, Michigan, like I said, there's no racing here. They pretty much shut everybody down. Uh, I can go two hours or less to Indiana and watch racing. So you have to just be aware of what's happening. It's unfortunate. It's costs a lot of people. I, I feel bad for the people that own small tracks because they're, they're, mm -hmm. they have a big payment and no way to have any races. And you know, and that carries all the way up to, you know, NASCAR, how many of those tracks didn't get to have the races that they were expecting. And, you know, they're dependent on the fans and the food and the beer and all, all of that. And, um, you know, um, like you said, you, you're limited to how many races you can go to. I haven't been able to go to any since I was in Phoenix in March. And then that was the last race. I have a hard card but they are so limiting how many of us can come that I, I haven't even asked to go anymore until I see that they're going to open it back up. So it's really been frustrating. It's been frustrating not to be able to go, but I'm trying to find the positive in it. So, um, you know, racing is important to you and I. Go ahead. I think that would be my one message to fans is that just just look at the sanctioning bodies with with a little bit of a smile on your face before you throw out some criticism. There have been a lot of people, um, you know, as ugly as social media can be some days. Um, there's been a lot of people who have been really negative about races and all different series being canceled or moved or postponed and this isn't this this is something that's completely unprecedented right. these they're not executives sitting in boardrooms going how can we ruin our fans day yeah. today um but it seems like that's what some people think um and so people just need to be patient um you know a little bit of grace and be flexible with your plans and i mean that's all that we can do i i could be called later this afternoon and be told that i have to be at a race next weekend um, for something that I've never covered before right. because that's just how quickly things are changing. So anybody that can be flexible and just enjoy whatever you have out there. Um, and you know, just like all things we've learned in 2020, just don't take it for granted yeah. <laughs> because we don't know when it will stop again. Isn't that true? And we, we do, we've all been so guilty of taking things for granted. And I like what I heard somebody say that 2020 is the year of resetting reset your priorities, reset your goals, Yes. Um, reset the things that are important to you. We know now that we can get by on less. We can get by going less places, doing less things and be just as happy, if not happier. So um, I, I agree, patience mm -hmm. is something that we all need to have an abundance of right now. And, and empathy for the people who really want to be out there promoting the races, ha holding the races, and they just can't. And so we have to be supportive of those people. And I, I appreciate that you, that you said that to me. Wow. So um, is there anything that um, I haven't asked you about that you'd like to share with the listeners? Um, when, you, when you talk about 
your audience is, as being girls who, who want to be involved in motorsports. I think one of the, the biggest lessons that I learned along the way um, was don't ever be afraid to ask a question, um, whether that be to a male counterpart or a female counterpart. Don't, don't let the fact that you're trying to get into a male-dominated world um, hinder the way you do your job. Um, and go into every situation knowing that you're in the situation you're supposed to be in at that particular point in time. And if I had learned that probably five years earlier, um, I think I would have progressed much faster. But I was always afraid to offend somebody or to sound silly or to be thought of as, oh, she's just a girl. She doesn't know anything. But we learn by asking. So um, I think that any anybody, male or female, who wants to go into this industry um, or any industry, just don't be afraid to ask. I think that's really good advice because what, you know, what they used to say in school, there's never a dumb question. Although sometimes we're made to feel dumb when we ask those questions, but um, you know, that's, that's such good advice because um, the little three-year-old that asks why, why, why all the time, you know they're trying to learn right yes. and i know you said you have a three-year-old daughter they're just trying to learn and we have, we have to remember that that's how they learn and and as well as you and i we have to ask those questions if we don't know and at my age of 64 i'm not afraid to say you know i really don't know i'll find out for you and that's my best answer so um that that's kind of how I've learned to handle that situation that so I don't look stupid or dumb or whatever. But um, Jamie, I've really enjoyed talking to you today. I'm sorry we didn't get this done sooner, but um, everything is in the right time. And today was the right time for you and I to be able to have a conversation. And I've really wanted to share about you. I've watched you on TV. And I think I texted you one day and said, I just saw you on TV and or sent you a Facebook message <laughs> and um, so it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of fun to be able to say hey I've talked to her I know her she's my friend and so now that we've done this <laughs> podcast you're you're in the the friends group for me and um, I really appreciate that you took the time today so any last thoughts that you might have before we say goodbye no I can't wait to to hear it and um, I really appreciate you having me on and reaching out to me on Facebook. Some people don't have such nice things to say on Facebook. So I appreciate it very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Twitter's the worst, actually. Um, Twitter can be <laughs> nasty. Um, so I try, I don't do a lot on Twitter, but um, Facebook's kind of where I live. And so my daughters are trying to get me more involved in Instagram. So I'm, I'm working on getting my Instagram skills okay. a little more honed, but Facebook's kind of where I'm at. So. Um, yeah, just I would I just want to thank you again for being with us and we'll be um, airing this tomorrow on Racing Girls Rock and so um, I'll send you the link and you'll be able to share it and um, you have a good rest of your week and I'll I'll probably see you on TV before I see you in person. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Spending time with her husband, friends, family, including her 12 grandchildren. In her spare time, she connects and celebrates with the women involved in motorsports, taking you behind the wall about their journey of life, racing, and how they juggle everything to make it all work. 
Welcome to Racing Girls Rock Podcast. Strap in, window nets up, the pedals are down, and when the green flag drops, we go.